Welcome to the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club Show presented by Honey Stinger. This is a podcast that will make you want to get outdoors and will give you some great ideas as a sport parent, athlete, or coach. Born in the beautiful mountain town of Steamboat Springs, Colorado, the Winter Sports Club was founded over a century ago and now serves a majority of kids in our community and has produced more Winter Olympians than any other club in North America. There are secrets and great stories to share as we play year-round in these mountains we call home. Our calling is to develop complete athletes on and off the mountain by cultivating a passion for the outdoors and a love of sports at all levels. Stay tuned to hear from Olympians, athletes of all ages, coaches, experts, and people who are doing amazing things to make an impact in our community and in their sport. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former professional triathlete who finally discovered the joys of skiing in my late 40s when I moved to Steamboat Springs with my family. We immediately discovered the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club, and it's become a huge part of our lives as my husband, Tim DeBoom, is a ski and bike coach, and my daughter, Wilder, has found happiness, friendship, and joy through skiing, jumping, riding, and more. I am thrilled to bring the positive energy of the Winter Sports Club to people all over the world. Thanks for listening. Now let's get started. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in today. It is our lucky day because we get to hear from our snowboard director and snowboard freestyle head coach, the incredible Maddie Shafrick, who literally has just a few days left in Steamboat before she pursues her next great adventure, which you're going to hear about today. Maddie, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Nicole. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's going to be so fun. Okay, but before we get started, I want to introduce you a little better. I need to tell our (laughs) listeners a bit about you. So I decided to simply share your bio from the Winter Sports Club site because it is the best bio I have ever read. And I know when I mentioned this to you, you said, I might be slightly embarrassed. I forgot (laughs) I wrote that. But here goes. You ready? Get ready. Born and raised in beautiful Steamboat Springs, Colorado, Maddie grew up in the Winter Sports Club. Her list of passions is substantial, but snowboarding has always been at the top of it. She loves all creatures, but lions are her favorite. Her favorite color is the rainbow, and her favorite thing to eat is ice cream. She's allergic to all nuts, which is funny because her favorite people are nuts. I love that everything is your favorite. Snowboarding is fun. Friends are family nature cures everything kindness makes a difference magic is real and love (laughs) is all on top of maddie's contagious personality and smile she was on the u.s half pipe team for seven years her resume is packed with impressive results including x games and grand prix events all of which i hope to hear about today maddie what i love most about this bio is that most bios actually just list out those results and your bio actually tells us something about you, which is that you are fun and amazing and and dynamic. So on that note, are you ready to have a little more fun with me today? I am. <laughs> Do you want to say anything about your bio before we go into, go into this? Um, I'm glad you reminded me that I wrote that at one point. And... Yeah, thanks for that compliment, too, because it's true. Bios do just usually list results and the facts, and uh, I think one of my underlying approaches to life is to not take it so seriously. So I hope that comes out in the bio. Yeah, I think it kind of (laughs) does. It kind of reminded me of, like, my 10-year-old's conversation with friends. What's your favorite color? (laughs) what's your favorite food what's your favorite animal um but that's what we all lose at some point in our lives and you know you're in a sport that I think the main part of the sport that you do snowboarding is all about fun yeah and so I just love it I think it's great all right all right, then let's get on with it. We got to learn a little more about you because we are, I just have a feeling we're going to go down a bunch of rabbit holes today. <laughs> we're going to be here forever. So I'm going to dive right in. Let's talk about little Maddie Shafrick. What was it like <laughs> growing up in Steamboat? It was wonderful. Uh, everyone who lives here already knows how incredible the community is and how tight knit it can be. And I feel like I just had a lot of support from 
a lot of different areas, which I'm grateful for. So you were like literally born in the hospital in Steamboat. I mean, I ask because most people move here. Yeah. Because it's such a great town. So you are a local, homegrown. Homegrown. Yeah. My parents moved here in the 70s. I forget what years in the 70s. Uh, Moved here separately. Met at the Colorado Mountain College and then had me in the hospital that was like downtown behind Soda Creek Elementary that's not there anymore. Yeah, I live like a block away from that. Yeah. It's kind of a weird building. It is. (laughs) It's a weird (laughs) building. We got, hey, we got you out of it, so I'm happy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, so um, when, so how old are you? I'm 28. Okay, so 28 years in this town doing your damage in a good way. <laughs> were, were you like a little rug rat, like running around trying all kinds of sports and activities? Yeah, I was. I did a lot of sports growing up. My favorites were soccer, and then I did taekwondo for many years. And I actually attribute the taekwondo stuff to um, helping me learn how to snowboard because it taught me how to fall, and I think it made me really aware of my body at a young age um, and how it moves. And it taught me discipline at a young age. Wow. Um, But yeah, yeah, I tried all the sports. I love sports. I mean, I think fear of falling, it gets uh, much more pronounced as we get older. Like Mm -hmm. elderly people, that's an actual thing. They ask you questions at the hospital. Like, have you fallen, you know? Yeah. And um, most of us are afraid to try new things because we're afraid we're going to fall and hurt ourselves. It's it's amazing. I love that. You learned how to fall at an early age. We need to add Tai Chi (laughs) into these like... You know, early sports development programs, because you said something really, really cool, which is that you learned body awareness at a very young age. Yeah. And that to me is a gift. Yeah, it is. Can you talk a little more about that? Yeah. Um, Like, how do you, uh, we're going to keep rolling on your background, but this might skip ahead a little, but how does body awareness play into how you coach the kids? For instance, do you mm. give them exercises or things to do that foster that without them maybe even knowing it? Yeah, I think early season when we're doing dry land at the Winter Sports Club, I try to do a lot of like handstand contests and tumbling, you know, teaching somersaults and uh, front and back and cartwheels and all of that. I think getting your feet above your head in a controlled area uh, helps with body awareness. But then just on hill in my approach to coaching is I think I say, how did that feel more often than anything else? And just kind of, you know, if, if athletes didn't, you know, I'll be like, how did that feel? They'll be like, it was good. And I'll be like, okay, did you feel how you were looking this way when you landed? He'll be like, no, I didn't even notice. Okay, perfect. This time, let's tap into where we're looking. Let's like feel where your body parts are. And I try to approach it from that angle more than just like technical do this, but how did it feel? Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's one of the keys to having a lifelong like relationship with your athlete self. Yeah. Is that feel. I grew up swimming and they always talk about feel for the water. Yeah. And they'd be like, so when your hand is underwater, you know, and, the, the, and then bend your elbow here. And you're like, I did it right. And, and your coach like, no, it didn't move at all. You <laughs> right. have to exaggerate it to actually do it. It's going to feel weird. So it's going to yeah. feel, feel, feel. That's so cool. All right. Well, you know, when I was researching a little more about you, I, I saw that you learned how to ski at three years old. I did with Little Toots with the Winter Sports Club. No. Yeah. You were in the Little Toots program? Yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite name for a program. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. Like, with those teeny tiny skis? Yeah. And so, uh, do you remember, you, you can't possibly remember much about that time, can you? I don't really yeah. remember about skiing. But no. you sort of like went through the program, you learned how it felt to be on skis on the snow, mm-hmm. and then at what point did you discover your, your love of snowboarding? Like, when did you discover snowboarding? Yeah, I was six years old watching X Games with my dad, 
and Gretchen Blyler was in a full one piece, all yellow one piece. It might have been like the year 2000. Um, and I watched her take her half pipe run and I was like, that is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I don't, so I don't necessarily remember all the details of this, but my parents have told it to me. So this is their interpretation of what happened. I saw Gretchen on, on a snowboard riding the half pipe, immediately stormed up the stairs and told them I was gonna refuse to come down until they let me try snowboarding. <laughs> and like I said, I'm a Taurus, I'm stubborn, right? <laughs> I wanted to stand my ground. Totally. Uh, but my parents, you know, raised me to follow through on my commitment. So I finished the season out skiing and the deal was that the next season I could try snowboarding. I know all about this too, because they probably also like bought you skis or rented skis and they're like, mm -hmm. we're not going to get into another sport until she really proves that she wants to do it. And at six years old, that is like insane. <laughs> six years old, they, 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 they change their minds every five seconds about what they love and what they want to do. And then they're distracted by a rainbow or a unicorn yeah. right, walking down the street. So that is really so cool. I remember watching Gretchen Blyler yeah. be amazing. Have you uh, actually met her? I have. Yeah, that was a trip, too. So I met her when I was 13 at the first U.S. Open I ever went to in Vermont. And um, <laughs> Ariel Gold and I, Ariel and Taylor from Steamboat 2, right? And we all grew up together and we're really close because we all snowboarded together. And... Ariel and I were in the writer's tent and Gretchen Blyler walks by and I instantly think I'm going to faint. And Ariel knows my obsession with Gretchen at that time. So I'm like, I'm like starting to cry already because I'm just realizing she's a real person. Yeah, and not she was this. your hero. Yeah. In the yellow suit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Gretchen walks by and I start crying and then Ariel's like... Gretchen, someone wants to meet you. <laughs> someone. So um, Gretchen, being her lovely self, turns around and introduces herself to me while I'm crying my eyes out oh. um, with braces. It was, but it was a great story because then the next year I was um, on the U.S. team with her and got to be her teammate and got to know her on a personal friend chip level which was just a dream come true and she's everything that I thought she was when I when I was six. Oh my gosh you know and it's just so so cool to you know watch the generation sort of pass the torch and yeah. she was older then I mean mm -hmm. she was at the probably the end of her career uh professional career I yeah, would think. She yeah she kept going for quite a few more years but yeah. She was well-seasoned already yeah. at that time. Yeah, and you were just coming on the scene and, yeah. you know, the newbie that no one expected anything from probably, you know, yeah. because in your first big events, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, before we get into that chapter of your life, let's let's finish out your childhood a little bit more here. Yeah. I want to learn, you mentioned that you started skiing in Little Toots. Then mm -hmm. you graduated, you saw a snowboard and you were like, I got to do this. Did Winter Sports Club have a snowboard program at that time? They did. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was, I can't remember if my first lessons were through Winter Sports Club or the resort because the woman who taught me still lives in town. I don't know her last name, but her first name's Melanie. Melanie. And if you're listening, yeah. shout out. You create <laughs> champions. <laughs> she gave me my first few lessons and I know that she was a Winter Sports Club snowboard coach at some time. I don't know if, it was, if yeah. it was then or a year later, but. So what was the club like when you were a kid participating in it versus an adult when you're coaching it? Yeah, that is an interesting question because it's just my perspective that's changed, I think. You know, it's like when I was involved with the Winter Sports Club as a kid, I just, I was, it was awesome. I had that team that, um, 
you know, I just had a group of boys that I just followed around and tried to do whatever they would do. And there were a few girls, um, Chloe Banning, Ariel Gold, and uh, and then a few more that were around my age once I started getting older, like middle school. But um, yeah, it was. I loved Winter Sports Club from day one. It always felt really supportive, and I think that has stayed the same. I still feel supported as an adult from Winter Sports Club, um, but I'm not the kid in it anymore. I'm, I've been someone to make decisions within it and help um, help foster kids. Yeah, like and you are the culture and everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, your role, you, that's a good way to put it. So the club is still the supportive, amazing team environment that you remember. Yeah. Did it feel like a second home? Yeah. It's, snowboarding has always provided my second family. Wow. That is so cool. You know, uh, speaking of family, what role did your parents play in your uh, athletic journey? Yeah. I... I don't think I even comprehend the half of how much they supported me through my entire life. But um, my dad snowboards and uh, my mom used to ski a little bit. They've their knowledge of the industry wasn't really there. So they, um, you know, went to my coaches and all of the like industry supporters for guidance on how to support me once I started getting a little bit more successful and competitive. But I think the way they supported me best was they prioritized my like just overall well-being. Like snowboarding was just this bonus thing I'd get to do if my homework was finished, if I was having good friendships at school, you know, if I was just being a good kid, then I could go snowboarding. Oh, I love your parents. I love them too. Shout (laughs) out. What are their names? Kat and Dan. All right, Kat and Dan, you did a good job. (laughs) You know, I think what's interesting about you and the challenges that your parents probably had that you don't know about, which is actually... um, means they did a really good job because kids don't need to see their parents trying to figure out what what to do with their kid you know yeah um they want to feel like confident about what their parents are doing how they're guiding them is that you started to perform at an extra high level very young Mm -hmm. so at what point as you were snowboarding getting into it you learned it and then all of a sudden they're like whoa this kid's got potential like what age was that yeah I well so I learned how to snowboard when I was seven and I started doing regional events in all disciplines when I was nine and I actually remember hearing the word potential a lot back then like age 10 11 12 Um, And I remember actually that I felt a lot of pressure from that word. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, I'm glad I said it because I I think it's important to flush that out. And then we can stop saying it right in front of young kids. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So did it negatively affect you? I I don't think it negatively affected me, but I remember having a resentment towards the word. I bet you never use it with your kids. Your I do, athletes. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't try. I don't, I'm <laughs> okay. Not consciously. So it was creating pressure, but, you know, it was true. Yeah. You know? And I think, too, at that time, at those ages, 10, 11, 12, I didn't care. I was having so much fun and I had realized, I was, you know, I had realized my dream when I was six to an extent and then I was able I was living it out which was so fun at those during those young years um and yeah I was I was doing well in the regional events and getting good results and it didn't even it was cool but that wasn't as fun as just snowboarding with my friends and just continuing to learn the pure joy of snowboarding was implanted at a young age. Yes. Younger than your results showed, mm-hmm. which is probably very important because 
as we both know, many times in careers, you're going to have ups and downs. And a lot of times those downs can take you out if you can't rediscover that joy. So the fact that you were driven by that from a very young age is really critical. So you had some breakout performances um, in your very early teens, right? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I started competing in World Cups um, the first year that I was on the U.S. team. I had just turned 14. and Is that, like, allowed still? Like, what's the age? It is not allowed <laughs> anymore, oh actually. Yeah, They changed the rule because of Maddie. <laughs> Seriously, like, it, what yeah. is it now, 16? or? Um, I know that, like, to be on the World Cup team, there's an age to rank sort of thing, okay. and I think you have to be born... By 2008. Okay. Or before 2008. To okay, so like even, 15, 16. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Even, if you, even if your results qualify you um, and you meet criteria to meet the team earlier than that or make the team, Okay. Um, you have to be a certain age now. Okay. But they have support now with like the rookie team and... Yeah. So was there... I mean, here you are. You made the World Cup team? No, I made the rookie team at 14. The rookie but we're team. doing World Cups, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, But st- that's like that's basically the developmental level for making the world. You were basically the next generation or class that they were expecting to be at the you know level that might make the, the Olympics someday. Yeah. And um, were you in that kind of sort of joyful place of not realizing what a big deal this was absolutely i just rode the wave i for i think the first like two and a half years i didn't really yeah it didn't enter my consciousness like what was really happening it was just all coming and it yeah i can best describe it as riding the wave riding the wave yeah so were there any events or things that happened that caused that wave to break? Yes. Uh, when I was 16 in New Zealand, I had a really bad crash, not even in the half pipe, on my way down to the lift on the groomer because that's how injuries happen sometimes, yes, right? Is. When you, you like <laughs> step off the curb. Yeah. When you're not paying attention. <laughs> oh, um, that is like heartbreaking. So were you like, okay, I broke something? Like what happened? Yeah. I, um, well, I actually, I went off the run and ran into a bunch of rocks with my front hip and my back knee almost fully blew out. I was like, I did ACL, MCL, meniscus, partial PCL, partial LCL, um, all my hamstring tendons. Like, I don't know how it didn't completely blow out, but, um, and then I had a lot of hip damage where my, my left leg and lower back were numb for like a week. It was weird. Okay. That, I mean, that's a major accident. So you yeah. were out then. You were just like, okay, I'm done out. Were you yeah. like, did you pass out? Um, yeah, I don't really remember too much. Yeah, it was traumatic injury. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you obviously couldn't compete or maybe it was after competition. Yeah, it was, um, well, it was the morning of finals for Junior Worlds, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, it, it was, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a hard injury. I had to stay in New Zealand for an extra week until um, I started having feeling in my left side again and could sit on an airplane to come back home and then once I came home uh, I didn't get back on a snowboard for 11 months because of all the healing that needed to happen and it was the first time I went back to school full time since I was like in seventh grade Wow. So you went to the high school here? I did. I went to public school all my Okay. So not getting back on a snowboard was not a mental block. It was a physical, a need to physically recover. You were itching to get back on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was hungry. (laughs) I mean, at this point you're so young, but like, I'm assuming even though your parents really worked hard to keep a balance in your life, um, was your identity pretty wrapped around being a basically a pro athlete at a young age? Yeah. 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 It was like once, 
that injury happened and I was back home, you know, living back at my parents' house because for the last two and a half years, I was traveling the world on my own. And my family were my teammates. And we all just, you know, took care of each other and also kind of did what we wanted and ruled our own lives. And we were all teenagers. So. Yeah. Um, but then... Yeah, I had a huge identity crisis coming back and also trying to reconnect with kids my own age who were my best friends growing up my entire childhood. And then um, I had all these experiences that we didn't relate as much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was a it was a challenging year. Wow. Did you reconnect with some of those kids? I did. Awesome. And in new ways. And I, I made new friendships with people here in the school district that I don't think I would have connected with. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's, uh, it, it's like you're living a double life. You yeah. know, it's like you lived an adult life when you were 14 to 16. And then you had yeah. to go back to being a kid. Yeah. Um, that just so, gave me chills because yeah. that's exactly how it felt. Wow. Well, you know, what happened after that? Like, you went to school, you got back on a board almost a year later. Mm -hmm. Did um, you compete again at the same level? I did. Um, I was able to go back into World Cups and X Games and do tours and all that. Uh, and though the, you know, the wave had stopped rolling, I was a little bit more aware of you know, contracts with sponsors and the U.S. team. And um, I think I, f I felt the external ex expectations more and it weighed heavier on me. Um, so that was, yeah, I think I, I had a couple good results after that, uh, but it became just more mentally and emotionally challenging which obviously affects your physical abilities, too. Totally. Yeah. You know, there's never a great time. You look at every pro athlete of any sports career. Mm -hmm. There's really no perfect time to decide to end a career. Mm -mm. You know, it's if you say, I want to end it when I win the big one, you might win a big one, end it, and then you spend 10 years going, God, I, I think I could have won another one. It's so true. Or or if you win the big one, and then you keep going chasing the next big one, and you kind of just start to fall down the other side of the bell curve, you know mm -hmm. I mean? So, it, you know, at some point, you stopped competing professionally. Mm -hmm. um, did, was that a conscious decision? It was. Yeah. Yeah. I was 21 and living in Salt Lake City at the time. And had made connections outside of the industry for the first time since, you know, I was 16. But really, like, deep connections um, where they, I kind of started seeing myself and establishing an identity that was outside of snowboarding. And that was I didn't even know that was possible. It like surprised me that I could be somebody outside of snowboarding and feeling that um, was a relief at that time because if I didn't really realize it, but the last at least year of competing, I was kind of just going through the motions and I wasn't having fun anymore. I didn't, I didn't like snowboarding which is so heartbreaking for me to it's say probably yeah it's probably hard to say <laughs> it is but that is truly how I felt so um when I started finding happiness outside of it I was like that that's a sign right there <laughs> you know as a coach to these kids do you with your experiences, do you encourage them to think about themselves as multi-personality, not in a, not in a, diso like a psychology way, but, you know, having multiple dimensions to their. Absolutely. Their yeah, absolutely. I love getting to know athletes outside of the sport or just, you know, in, I feel like you can do that while coaching them in the sport. It's those moments on the chairlift or like at the top of the run and just asking them questions about their life outside of that sport 
goes a long way. Yeah, it reminds them that no matter what happens on the run they're about to do, there's more to them. Yeah. Because I imagine I'm I see this in you like as a younger a you know, adult who's what late teens and you're you've gone through some hard stuff and you're trying to get back on the circuit and all you know of who you are and the worth that maybe has been ingrained in you and not necessarily by your parents, but just even by yourself is if I do well in this sport, I am worthy of being celebrated. Absolutely. But what happens if you don't do well in the sport? And that's the big thing we're trying to help these kids avoid is going down that rabbit hole. Absolutely. And even if, you know, you mentioned exiting the sport, at whatever time that comes for an athlete, whether they have reached all of their goals and they did make it to the top of where they wanted to be, when they leave, if or you know, or they they never reach their goals, they need to have that that other sense of identity to just keep going. It's hard. It's going to be hard anyway. But if you have other connections and other inspirations outside of it it helps oh you're so right do you um you know one of the things that I was thinking about with your career is that you've gone through very high ups and downs Mm -hmm. and I wondered what tools you've used to navigate both of those things because we're Mm -hmm. kind of like venturing into this a little bit of like a mental health angle here yeah and I know that obviously you've had to navigate that world. So I wonder what kind of tools you've used that you could help advise both the parents listening and the, and the kids. Yeah. Uh, I think when I was younger, you know, late teens that, that year as a 16 year old, I, I don't know if I had that many tools. So I looked to outside sources like people, um, And there are people that are still in this community today that have helped me so much through hard times, and I appreciate them forever. And um, I think over the years, some of my tools that I've developed are recognizing it's okay to, like, spend time alone, and I, I value spending time alone so much, and even though I've spent time, you know, looking for help from outside sources and those people who I've recognized can help me, um, spending time alone has allowed me to actually heal myself and get to know myself. And, and that's hard as a young athlete too, or if you're in that industry, no matter how old you are, you are traveling all the time with people you know it's individual sports that we do in the winter but you are always with those people and as that that is a gift as well and they become your family but taking time alone to just figure out who you are and who what you need on your own I think I yeah I've I've built my my solo self to allow me to help myself you know, <laughs> I totally do. Yeah. You know, it's about filling that cup and like reminding yourself who you are from inside. And we're totally. constantly changing. Totally. So who you are now is not who you were 10 years ago. Um, but I think it's so important. And I love that your experiences, you know, gave you that gift yeah. of knowing that you need that. We all need that. Some people more than others. Yeah. Um, It's funny. I always think about relationships and often what you're describing is kind of this like introvert Mm -hmm. mentality of like introverts need to go and be alone to fill their cups and extroverts (laughs) need to go out and be around people to fill their cups. But both of those kinds of personalities need alone time no matter what. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, I think it's really cool. I, I was thinking about your path to becoming a coach because not every great athlete is a great coach. Yeah. You know, some great athletes just do not have it in them to be able to extend that gift to others. How did you know you wanted to be a coach? Um, no, what's funny is I didn't, when I started coaching, I didn't know I wanted to be a coach and I didn't know I wanted to pursue this career. But, um, like I said, I 
like retired from competition at 21 and spent I think like four or five more months in Salt Lake City uh, it was through the rest of that winter and then I came home yeah it was it was actually longer anyway I came home um, right before the season had started and I was living back at my parents house and I was like well I haven't snowboarded since last February you know, because I left resentful at many things. and um, But I took that, that time away from the sport, actually allowed me to um, want to re-enter it. And I was like, I'm living in Steamboat. I should probably get a pass. Uh, Tori Koski or Tori Billings was um, the snowboard program director at Winter Sports Club at that time. And I knew her from the past of growing up in Steamboat and snowboarding on the team. And I called her up and I was like, hey, Tori, do you have any connections to like get, <laughs> get me a season pass? Because I was still in that mentality too of, you know, just um, exiting being a professional athlete where I would get passes. And you I was get like, stuff. yeah, I was yeah. like, I don't want to have to buy a pass. <laughs> right. So I called Tori up and she's like, yeah, actually, I can get you a pass if you coach our board riders program <laughs> seven days a week or seven <laughs> hours a week seven hours a week and at that time funny enough um I had I I didn't go to college really I took a couple classes here and there but um I knew when I came back to Steamboat I didn't want to sit at a desk I just wanted like I wanted to work with my body and be outside and uh, wanted like manual labor of some sort and one of my good friends um, Joe Kleins who owns Alpenglow Plum Plumbing and Heating I was over at his house one night for dinner and I was like yeah I'm looking for a job you own a plumbing business like do you have any friends in construction that are hiring and he's like yeah you can start with me on Monday if you'd like <laughs> So then I became a plumber. I love it. And yeah, and that winter I plumbed and uh, coached board riders. And that season, coaching board riders with that group of kids, it totally reignited my love for snowboarding in a whole new way. And it was nothing about competition or results or expectations. It was being able to watch the fire get lit in the kids and like having like being able to observe their passion being realized it was um it was magical that's where that's why magic is real right there it is real my bio but they are so lucky I wonder if they knew what they had with you, the helping hand, guiding them. Tell us, what is the Board Riders program for anybody new to the club that's listening? Yeah, it's one of our development programs um, within snowboarding. It's for ages 6 to 10, and it's any ability uh, level from, you know, just starting, never, never put a snowboard on before, to wanting to start exploring the entire mountain and uh, keep building those fundamentals. Yeah, and it's a six hour a week program. You get one night at Howlson, one uh, weekend day at the resort. It's really fun. Well, it's funny, like I think of um, snowboarding and skiing as like having like a little bit of a divide. Mm. Like the skiers are uptight and the snowboarders <laughs> are relaxed and fun. You know, or like yeah. something like that, right? Yeah. It's like road cycling and mountain biking. You're totally. kind of like, what? There's two different cultures going on here. I mean, can people be skiers and then one day go, I got, I want to learn how to snowboard. Like, can you really pick this up at any time and join board riders, for instance? Totally. I think you can learn how to snowboard at any age, just like you can learn how to ski at any age. And I do... I, I've always been fascinated by that too, kind of the culture difference. And I think like that culture is what attracts, you know, it attracts certain personalities um, to whatever sport they're involved in. And though some of my best friends growing up were ski racers and we always loved, you know, pow days together you can always share a pow day with the skier or yeah. snowboarder yeah it's funny um I 
I see myself as a snowboarder, but I only ski right now. I see you as a snowboarder. <laughs> I, need, I need to get out there, but I got to learn how to fall. Um, so that we'll work on that first. Okay. We've got like two days before you leave. I've yeah. got you all tied up. Um, so for beginner and even intermediate snowboarders, what are the most important things for them to be thinking about with their progression into mm. the sport? I think it's just making sure you're having fun and riding the entire mountain. You know, once you have the ability to get on and off a lift, start exploring within reason, you know. Don't go into trees that you don't know what's on the other side of those trees. But, um, yeah, I think it's just riding the entire mountain, having fun, and recognizing too that the mountain has so many possibilities um i've seen the best park and pipe riders come out of just all mountain riding the best border crossers come out of all mountain riding the best alpine snowboarders come out of all mountain riding if you can just ride the entire mountain it will teach you everything you want to know and within that um you can discover what avenue of snowboarding you want to take. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I see, like, even the way you're talking about it, this isn't, like, technical stuff you're sharing. This is, like, life philosophy stuff. Like, <laughs> learn it all. I learned how to surf when I was 45, and uh, I remember I felt like my instructor was a shaman. Like, everything they said, I was like, that's a life lesson. <laughs> They'd be like, look where you want to go, not where you're going. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. so much bigger than the board, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I feel like I'm getting Love a sense that. for how you are as a coach. Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe you can share. What is your coaching style like? What kind of coach are you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I've never, I've never, um, although I think I'm a philosophical person, I've never thought my approach to coaching or I think my approach to coaching is philosophical, like my coaching philosophy um, gets kind of meta. But um, <laughs> my, I think how I interact with athletes, I don't know if it's philosophical, but um, I think I have a kind and um, I don't really open approach. Like I'm, I'm all about just meeting the athlete where they are in that moment. And I try to approach each training without any expectations at all besides like the physical training plan of what we're gonna do that day, like the topic or, hey, this athlete has been working on this trick. So my, my goal for them coming into today is like to get them to do to like land three of those and then I'll propose that we move on to like the next step something like that you know but that'll be like the biggest plan and I wouldn't even call it an expectation I kind of go into every training being like hey athlete how are you doing today what are you feeling like doing today like what are you where are you willing to meet me and I'm gonna meet you there too oh my gosh you're amazing. You're this amazing. This is so cool. Um, actually, this is a perfect time for us to take a really short energy break. Yeah. Because we've got a lot more to cover, but we need to give some kudos to our awesome podcast sponsor, Honey Stinger, local steamboat born and raised just like you. <laughs> All right. So tell me, what's your favorite Honey Stinger product? And we do have a few scattered around the table today. Yes. Well, I am allergic to all nuts, so I am a huge fan. I've eaten so many Honey Stinger waffles in my life. It's absurd. Oh, um, they make a lot of flavors They now. make so many flavors. Are you no gluten-free too then or no? I'm not. Okay, so you can do yeah. the whole range. Yeah, I can. And then I backpack a lot with my fiancé, so we like the little um, like gel energy blocks. 
Oh, those are so good. On the trail, yeah. I mean, they have those caffeinated ones, too. So I remember from my racing days in triathlon that a little caffeine goes a long way <laughs> sometimes when you're out there bonking. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure on the on the slopes, you're feeling the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right, guys. So if you haven't ever tried Honey Stinger, today is your lucky day. Go over to the show notes to find a discount that we have just for you. Use it on HoneyStinger.com or just shop locally. You can't go wrong with Honey Stinger. All right, back to the show. And guess what? We did that all ad lib. How cool was that? That was cool. That was really cool. (laughs) We love Honey Stinger. We do. Okay, so is it blasphemy to say you are can be a skier and snowboarder (laughs) it's not absolutely not you could literally be like no today i'm a snowboarder and you put on your snowboard stuff and you head out and the next day you're a skier yeah i have some friends like that like if they're gonna be on groomers they ski when it snows a lot they choose to snowboard because they can like stay I love it. On the pal a little bit more. You know, it's funny. I had somebody told me like a few years ago before we moved up here, they were like, oh, you should make sure that Wilder, my daughter, knows how to ski and snowboard because then when she's older, she can go skiing with her ski friends and snowboarding with her snowboard friends. I have now realized that you don't need to split your friends into groups (laughs) to do these activities. But I love the idea of being versed on both. I just think it's well rounded I agree and I think it's a little bit of a trend right now there are a few like young teenage aged kids from the winter sports club that are part of the snowboard program that we'll see on skis when they're not at training and just goofing around having a great time on skis and then they'll come to training on their snowboard well and you yourself admitted to getting out on skis at least once a year I try because I feel so (laughs) awkward doing it that that one day I laugh so hard at just how awkward I feel Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's tick off some more boxes um, to help some of the parents listening uh, who have kids who are interested in snowboarding. So what are some of the traps that riders or their parents can fall into in this sport? Yeah, I think it's taking it too seriously. And especially when athletes are young, taking it too seriously can lead to um, unnecessary decisions that, you know, um, like, for example, this is like a very real thing right now in the snowboard and free ski industry for like half pipe and slope style athletes that are mainly half pipe. You know, if, if an athlete, if a young athlete loves riding the half pipe, there's a belief that they need to train in a 22 foot half pipe, which is the World Cup sized half pipe. Uh, however, I'm a firm believer in, and you know, it's it's actually the coach talk right now around the country because there's so few 22 foot half pipes um, right now. There's only, yeah, I don't uh, like it's like mammoth copper aspen has theirs for a little bit i think there's one or two on the east coast but you know parents want to support their athletes um, desire to be in a half pipe and excel in a half pipe so they spend a lot of money and time to move their their family to somewhere that has a 22 foot half pipe but um that's, I believe this, my opinion, you can't learn how to ride transition in a 22 foot half pipe. Those half pipes are huge and that transition is huge and you have to take so much speed into it to be able to get to the lip that when you're still learning as a, as a kid and you just want to focus on fundamentals, um, 18-foot pipes, 12-foot pipes, like 8-foot quarter pipes, or just any transition on the entire mountain can teach you the skills that you need to build up to be able to get to a 22-foot pipe. Um, 22-foot pipes are scary, and I don't think they can build the confidence that other 
like smaller transitions can. So I've seen that happen sometimes, you know, when um, parents and athletes take it a little too seriously, decisions like that can be made that aren't necessary. And I think the industry's going in a way, at least on the half pipe side, where there won't be as many 22 foot half pipes. And I, I hope that that belief of needing to grow up in a 22 foot half pipe, um, doesn't allow that side of the sport to die off. You know, I do. I get it. I mean, I think, um, it kind of goes along with the taking it too seriously thing too. Like you've got to learn the fundamentals and you can learn them in a much smaller scale, or you should potentially learn them in a smaller scale before you just decide to uproot your whole life, your family's life, everything chasing, a dream that you're not quite ready for. And you yeah. actually may not get the skills by right. moving there, right? Right. Um, it's so interesting because there's this idea of, you know, earning your equipment, earning the right to get to the next level. Like mm. you got to put in the time. Totally. And build the engine. Totally. Right? And then when you do reach that point, you might it might be a necessity to go to a different location, but... Until then, like, ride wherever you can. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Like, you can be a world-class snowboarder in Steamboat without the the biggest half-pipe in the world. Yeah. Look at Taylor Gold, Ariel Gold. You know, Taylor is still... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Me at one time. Um, Taylor is still on the World Cup half-pipe team. So it's been cool to reconnect with him yeah, on this whole yeah. new level. But um, yeah, I was holding his head on a stick at like the, in a good way, at Winter Carnival, they were like passing out Taylor Gold, you know, yeah. um, paraphernalia so we could cheer him on for the Olympics. That's awesome. Oh, how fun, huh? Yeah, yeah. Nick Baden, who's a, created an incredible career, uh, more on the filming and like urban street side of snowboarding. And Mick Deerdorf and, you know, we all grew up with what Steamboat offers now, even less than what Steamboat offers now. Um, But I think at that time, too, we had incredible coaches that instilled that belief in us that we could learn everything we needed to learn with what we had. And some of my favorite snowboarders that have um, had really successful careers, whether in the like competitive industry or competitive side or like filming and backcountry stuff, they grew up in like the smallest towns with the smallest resorts that weren't any bigger than Howelson, but they just got creative on gnarly stuff and learned on really like janky stuff. So then when they went to, you know, different locations that had incredible facilities it was easy for them yeah yeah and I I do agree with all that to an extent like I do recognize once you reach a level especially with like border cross or slope style and you need to hit 60 foot jumps you need to train on those jumps too but that's once you reach that level until then ride the whole mountain Ride the whole mountain. I think that's the message for this entire conversation. So (laughs) you are making some big life changes all at once. We said it's like the big three happening, right? Yeah. New job, uh, sealing the deal on a relationship. You're engaged. (laughs) And uh, what was the third one? I don't even know. Maybe maybe there's there's just a hundred more. Um, Let's talk about your new position. I'm so glad we got a chance to connect before you went off on this next big life adventure. But what job did you take? So I am the assistant coach for the World Cup Halfpipe U.S. snowboard team. That's a mouthful. It's a lot of words. (laughs) I don't know. But it's a big deal. Yeah. Wow. You know, as humans, I think in general, we're sort of, you know, pushed to grow, evolve, like do the next thing. And does this feel like a forward step to a bigger career goal? Yeah, I don't I don't know about the future too much, but this opportunity has 
um, allowed me to look at my past a lot differently and be really grateful for everything that I went through, the highs and the lows. Um, I'm really grateful for all those experiences now because I've, I think it's, it's shaped how I can help the current professional athletes. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And I actually have a question from one of our listeners. Oh. Yeah, it's live. Just kidding, it's not. <laughs> but um, so, but I do want to cover it because I think it's really cool and it informs part of this decision. You spent a month with the pro team riders in Europe. Then you came back and spent a month with the club riders. Does your recent coaching experience with the pros and your new job with the national team make you think about the juniors in the club any differently? You know, what's important to them, how they should be supported so that they could then become those pros potentially. Like, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, my, my month in Sauce Fay with the pro team was incredible. It was my first trip, uh, in this assistant coach position. So I learned a lot and I think I, it was just a good introduction to the team, you know, and the job and it, by the last day, I felt like I was ready to start the job, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get that. <laughs> um, but coming back and working with all the young athletes here, I think it's just made me appreciate what this club and community is doing so much more. And, um, you know, we said, <laughs> I said I didn't like the word potential, but it's like... <laughs> All those kids, it, you know, it's like once you reach that World Cup level, you're in it and your decisions have to um, facilitate your existence in that role, you know, a little bit. So um, the kids here just I, a better word is possibility. Like they just have so much possibility and yeah, they could become those elite athletes and learn the tools to to get them there and and keep them there and then um there's just so many other avenues they could go and they're still choosing to snowboard right now or ski right now and I think their experience in that sport is going to allow them um to decide what they want to do with their lives well, it's so cool to have you guiding them through this path, too. And I can't wait to see where you go and how this new role goes for you. I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years you were the head coach of the World Cup Halfpipe Snowboard Team. How cool. That would be cool. Although the current head coach is J.J. Thomas, and I <laughs> love working with him. He's so awesome, and I feel like I have so much to learn from him. So. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll let him keep the role for now. <laughs> oh, good. Well, you know, I feel like um, we should do a, just a little bit of rapid fire because I want to pull a few more fun facts out of you, and uh, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. How okay. does that feel? Good, good. Okay. So, what are your favorite non-snow things to do? Mm, I love puzzles. It is. Like literally yeah. jigsaw puzzles? Liter like literally. We could be best friends. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do puzzle it. together. Um, yeah, love puzzles. It's like how I decompress at the end of the day. Uh, I love backpacking. Um, Sammy and I, my fiance and I backpack a lot. My dad backpacks. Um, we go into the circles mainly, which is right. We're so fortunate to have Zirkle Wilderness Area as our backyard that area is so beautiful and it, there's so much to explore in there and um hanging out with friends I don't I love stories I love movies I love <laughs> awesome I love things <laughs> um okay your favorite color is the rainbow that one caught me yeah tell me why what is the rainbow to you um well the rainbow is so many things I think Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm gonna go into it a little bit. Um, fun fact, did you know that every planet on the other side um, of Earth from the sun goes in the colors of the rainbow? Goes in that order? I did not realize that. Yeah, cause like 
the fourth planet, we're the third planet, right? And then the fourth planet is Mars, uh-huh. which is red. And then Jupiter is orange. Saturn is yellow. Neptune is green. Uranus is blue. And Pluto is purple, oh which my. technically isn't a planet anymore. But uh, I just think that is so cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love this. And, you know, we're... Astronomy lessons yeah, by Maddie. Right? <laughs> um, when light goes through water or moisture right it creates the rainbow and we are the water planet in our solar system as well as um we as humans are composed of a lot of water and uh, <laughs> we're like walking rainbows yes that's what oh, I'm trying. oh my Thank gosh you for picking up on that oh that's amazing yeah wow um, and I think you can go as, you know, philosophical or, you know, um, some people might think it's cheesy to go into it as you want, but we all have so many different layers and dimensions and colors to us. And um, you got to let the light shine through, you know, to let all those colors out and fully express. And um, I also identify as queer, so I love the rainbow and all that it represents in that community and um also i think my favorite color is the rainbow because you know if like if someone asked me one day what my favorite color is in that moment it's going to change moment to moment so why not let it be the entire rainbow oh i knew there was something about you um okay let's talk relationships quick when and how did you meet sammy i met sammy uh oh my gosh it actually was probably five years ago to the day wow um because we on december 1st were celebrating our first date um wow anniversary of five years and we met at a winter sports club snowboard coach orientation. <laughs> and she grew up here in Steamboat. Um, Sammy Smalley, her dad is, you know, has the Park Smalley freestyle complex on the mountain named after him. He's a Hall of Fame guy. He, him and his buddies basically invented the sport of aerials. And his story is incredible. But, um, yeah, Sammy... Grew up here in Steamboat, uh, was a snowboarder at, on the with the Winter Sports Club, so we knew of each other growing up, but um, we're enough years apart to not be really close until we both moved back and reconnected. Man, uh, hey, you two are going to have quite the future in store. I cannot wait to see what you do together. Um, and fortunately, you've got a French bulldog, my favorite pet. I have one, too. Another way we're connected. <laughs> Soul sisters oh, happening totally. right now. Totally. Oh, my gosh. All right. But I do need to ask you a question that my daughter would ask if she was sitting here, which is always her most important thing, which is what is your favorite snack to take during training? Oh, I think I actually um, recently in the last couple of years discovered what are they called? These bars that are have no nuts in them. Oh, they're that's called right. made the, good. Made good. Okay, that's yeah. Right. The nut if it's thing. if it's not a honey singer in my pocket, it's a made good. Wow, um, cool. Because it's I just a, a bar in my yeah. pocket yeah like you know? kind of a little more substantial yeah real you know um i love how seriously everyone takes that question they're like hold on let me just think about this for a minute <laughs> like that is the most important thing yeah because you know we all like our treats and our food so um maddie you are just such a joy to talk to and um it's been fun to get inside your brain and learn about why we need to ride the whole mountain um what at the end of the day really makes snowboarding awesome I've used this word a lot um, today talking to you, but possibility. Snowboarding offers so many possibilities, and um, I think one of the greatest possibilities is uh, the opportunity to just like express yourself. You can 
you can get so creative on a snowboard and um i i don't know you can just yeah creativity possibility it's like there's freedom in that isn't there so much yeah and that's what we all want nobody wants to be shackled Mm -mm. oh i just love it all right let you know we're gonna wrap it up are you ready to wrap it i am okay so i'm gonna ask you forever though well we could i mean seriously we're obviously gonna go for a french bulldog walk after this (laughs) and you're you're gonna teach me how to snowboard in two days (laughs) um so here we go what is the greatest lesson you've learned through sport it's another one you kind of have to think about, right? Yeah. Snacks and greatest lessons, both <laughs> yeah. really important. I think just who I am. I think I I think snowboarding has taken me places and putting put me in scenarios and situations that have um allowed me to figure out who I am. And it's introduced me to people that have helped me figure out who I am. That is beautiful. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Oh, what a great day. Thanks for joining me today. And uh, we are all going to be following you and wishing you well on this next chapter in your life. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you for listening to the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club Show presented by Honey Stinger. Check out the club's winter and summer programs at sswsc.org. If you have a special topic or guest you want featured, we'd love to hear from you. Now get out there and support, lead, or be a champion on or off the mountain.